Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's not over. There are a lot of people who think because the inquiry, the public part of it, ended on uh, Friday, that it's all over. Now we just wait for the commissioner to issue the report. It's not over. Not nearly. Um, This coming week, there are going to be round tables in Ottawa, and our guest is scheduled to testify at two of them. Our guest is Professor Christian Liprecht, Queen's University and Royal Military College. He, as you know, is an expert in security and defense, regularly called as an expert witness before the committees of parliament, and his most recent book is Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft. There's another book we're going to be talking with Professor Liprecht about in a few weeks, which is really going to catch your attention. Christian, thank you um, for coming back on the program. I'm, after the six weeks, I'm not quite sure where to start. There's been so much said, and I have asked so many questions, but I'm going to try with this one. So everybody knew the convoy was headed for Ottawa. Let's go back to before they got there. And over many years, police agencies in this country have learned how to deal with crowds They've learned how to clear venues. We've seen that. But in the nation's capital, we had a few thousand protesters, and they were noisy with their trucks. They were there for three weeks, but they weren't effectively cleared. What what happened? I sound like a five-year-old. What happened, Dad? I think what we saw here was fundamentally a breakdown of the ability of a G7 country to be able to enforce the rule of law. Um, and we saw a system that came under modest stress from um, a few thousand people that showed up well-organized, well-led, well-financed with the optimal protest machines in the middle of winter in Canada for February. That is to say trucks where you can hunker down for quite a period of time. Um, and we saw an organizational chaos among the agencies involved. Um, we saw the confirmation that Canadian police agencies are well equipped for incident response. They're not able to sustain that response. Um, and we saw, rather than a willingness by local, provincial and federal leaders to stand together and to send a clear message, each level of government looking to capitalize politically on the circumstances um, and not being able to provide the direction of leadership that is ultimately required when police are dealing with a political protest. And so now we're trying to point the fingers everywhere, but the people who ultimately need to own this, which is the politicians. And I think one of the things that the commission has revealed is that our law enforcement, intelligence, national security legislation, posture, leadership, management, and institutional culture are simply not fit for purpose for the 21st century. Yeah. So when I was asking that first question, I realized that it's so fundamental, and that's the question we should have been dealing with all along, going back to that. What happened? And I know the finger's been pointed at the OPS, the Ottawa Police Service. The finger's been pointed at the RCMP. The finger's been pointed at the OPP. They've pointed the finger at each other. But they clearly have the experience to clear crowds. So you talked about political opportunism. May not be the word you used, but that was, I think, what you were getting at. So here's the question that people are asking, and I've received the emails over and over and over with this question or this point. The federal government arguably 
might be seen to have wanted a confrontational situation during which it could invoke the Emergencies Act in order to create a political dynamic that's going to be advantageous, potentially if managed properly, to the government, to the Liberal Party. Is that is that an overly cynical viewpoint that some, maybe many people have? We certainly saw the government capitalizing on this further to polarize political debate in this country. Uh, and that, at a moment that required national unity, was, I think, an unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate move. But really, if you're invoking the Emergencies Act, by definition, that suggests that regular tools available to you in legislation, in intelligence, in law enforcement are insufficient to deal with the situation at hand. Now, let's step back for a moment and take a breath here. In Europe, we regularly have demonstrations that involve tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of protesters. Think of some of the mass demonstrations, for instance, by unions in France. Think of May Day uh, protests in Germany that often turn violent, especially in Berlin. And yet it seems police are perfectly capable to respond to those protests with the tools at hand. Nobody's invoking emergency measures. Similarly, if we need to stop financial transactions that governments deem um, illegal or possibly supporting uh, illicit, illegal or criminal activity, governments in the United Kingdom, in Australia, in Germany, in France, in the United States have the legislative toolkits to be able to do that. Nobody needs to invoke any emergencies. So I think what we can learn here is that what the government has to own is that for years it has resisted bringing our apparatus in line with the challenges that we face in the 21st century. And so rather than thinking about why is it that we ultimately fell short, and look, there was a clear debate here within government, within law enforcement, whether the tools are available. And I think the agreement was that the tools and the resources are available, but it would have just taken a little bit longer. But I think what ultimately happened here, that it became a political liability for the federal government. And yes, was the Emergency Act necessary? Probably not. Did it help with reestablishing the rule of order? It sure did. But look, how can we blame a little police force in Ottawa with 1,200 members of whom 800 are possibly deployable at any given time for not being able to police a national protest? This is why we have a national police force with 17,000 members. When I ask time again and again why we have this uh, massive national police force that does everything from writing liquor tickets to investigating some of the most complex financial crime uh, imaginable, the answer is always, so we have surge capacity. Well, where was that surge capacity? The OPP was in Ottawa within days, but it appeared to take um, a, a significant period of time for the RCMP to come, not just with the manpower, with the staff, but also the logistics functions, the intelligence functions, the planning functions to support this type of a national operation. And we're not talking about a provincial capital in Toronto. We're not talking about uh, Windsor. We're talking about the national capital uh, where we presumably, after the shooting up of parliament by Zihaf Bibo in 2014, we could have expected 
that we might have a national emergency for which we might need to be prepared. And yet it seemed when we actually needed resources and capacities that by and large only a federal government can bring to bear, those federal resources took far too long to appear. The water cannons are a 15-minute drive from downtown. The RCMP has much of its mounted unit, for instance, in Ottawa. There were resources that could have been drawn on. And the question is, why did those resources not materialize? Is that simply because policing made a judgment that they shouldn't be deployed? Or is it perhaps because politically it was decided that those resources uh, cannot or should not be deployed or should not be deployed at this particular time or in this particular way? Clearly, I think there was a lack of leadership with regards to that the behavior we saw um, in Ottawa, some of this behavior was not acceptable and that some measure to reestablish the rule of law was required. Mm -hmm. Based on what you just said or the last answer you gave, I went back and, and looked at a question that's been recurring from the very beginning, not surprisingly. And the question was this. Do we believe that invoking the Emergencies Act this year by Mr. Trudeau was unequivocally necessary and that there were no other existing policing options or federal statutes which would have served to defuse what Canada was facing on the 14th of February 2022? I just heard you talk about a 17,000-member national police force with a significant presence in the city of Ottawa, which is where the issue, the concern that was raised time and again, other than Coots and, and Ambassador Bridge, and they'd broken up by the 14th. That was raised time and again. So did I hear you say the resources were there, you just chose not to use them? Um, and I think that's hopefully one of the answers that we're going to get from the commission about what decisions were made about resources, when, where, and by whom. And it seems in this particular case, nobody really wanted to make any sort of decisions at the political level. Um, at least initially. And so that meant the police were sort of left and kind of in a limbo of trying to figure out what should they be doing because police are ultimately reticent when it comes to political protests because police know that there is no law enforcement answer to political protests. There's only a political answer to those protests. And so there was no political answer. And so we were scrambling. And ultimately, commanders on the ground did come up with a plan once they got the signal that they actually do need to come up with a plan. Um, and uh, But it appeared that when initially um, the chief of the Ottawa Police Service made it clear that he was in over his head, uh, it seems it took us a significant period of time to figure out who was going to be able to assist whom when. And I think that is disgraceful in a national capital, because by definition, when you're in a national capital, you need to count on the, on the fact that you're going to find yourself in a circumstance where you're going to require national resources in order to assert national security. Um, and I don't think any of those resources would have been necessary if federal agencies had provided the requisite intelligence at the right time to the Ottawa Police Service, and we had been able to stand up a response that would have involved the right federal, provincial, and local elements, including the appropriate planning that should have never left to the point where 400 trucks ended up pulling up, uh, pulling off the 417 and uh, ending up in downtown Ottawa. And so I think we need to ask hard questions about how did we get to the point where we had these protesters downtown? How is it that the response was so lagging 
um, that the federal government felt in the end it had no other option than to suspend some of the regular measures in place um, to give uh, police and intelligence agencies and banks powers that in other normal democracies are available to these institutions uh, under regular legislative uh, capacities. And how is it that uh, going forward here, we have not seen, for instance, major legislative changes, major changes in resourcing. Um, there have been some changes at the Ontario level uh, in how uh, Ontario police now respond to protests, uh, but I have yet to see any significant changes coming out of the federal government, out of the RCMP, out of the way that federal intelligence agencies liaise with provincial and local agencies. And I think one of the takeaways here is that this protest shows to the extent to which local and provincial agencies often end up getting, uh, uh, are left holding the bag because the federal agencies are so territorial that um, they're not prepared or willing to cooperate to the extent that would be necessary. And that, again, requires political leadership. Yeah. I tweeted earlier this week, we've had two major inquiries in Canada in 2022. One was the mass casualty inquiry in Nova Scotia. It became uh, an issue of great national consternation, debate, accusation. The victims' families were threatening to leave because they were so disenchanted with what was going on. So that one has been mishandled. And now this one, uh, ongoing, the, uh, the, the commission investigating the invoking of the Emergencies Act. So what exactly is going to go forward? What are the roundtables that you're going to be testifying at in the next two days? What are they about? The roundtables dig into some of the common themes that sort of developed uh, over recent weeks. So the issues around criminal law, around policing powers, the relationship between police, governance, and political authority, um, such as who can direct police, freedom of expression, and peaceful assembly, issues of cryptocurrency, and some of the international supply chain issues. So <clears throat> these are... Um, a complex elements here. I will have the opportunity to testify tomorrow um, on the financial measures that were taken, uh, which were surprising given that um, um, the, the challenges of financial crime in this country are very well known. The Colin Commission in British Columbia uh, has reported on these extensively, and yet it seems that um, uh, the, this government, uh, to some extent previous governments, have been unprepared to take the measures necessary. And so I think one of the things we learned from the convoy uh, uh, protests is uh, just how unprepared our financial intelligence system and, our, uh, and how unprepared we are to investigate uh, financial illegal criminal um, um, and economic crime and, and related measures. And on Thursday, I'll be testifying on the roundtable on policing. Um, and one of the points that I will make there is that the convoy response revealed uh, to what extent policing in this country uh, is in real trouble when it comes to police leadership, it comes to police management, it comes to police institutional culture, and it comes to policing posture. Um, and so that we need to take seriously what unfolded uh, in Ottawa because uh, it speaks to the many greater challenges uh, that we have in policing in this country and how urgently we need a significant reform uh, to law enforcement um, and policing um, federally, provincially and locally. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.